We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. Watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at-bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another edition of News You Can Use. I hope you're having an off to a good morning so far, and I'm very excited uh, to introduce our guest today. We're going to talk about some very interesting topics. Donna Gore, who's also known as Lady Justice, Leader for Change, is our guest on this program today, and we've got some very interesting topics to discuss with you. Donna, uh, we go way back. I can't even remember how you and I met when you were here in Connecticut. Well, we do. In fact, in fact, Dan, I looked up when you were on my show when I first started. You were on my show talking, known as Media Maven. That's what Delilah just described you. Uh, we talked about cr- crime and, and, and media's um, uh, interaction with crime victims way back in 6 of 2012. Yeah, that's a lifetime ago. But we actually met because you came to an event that I sponsored. I worked for 21 years for the State of Connecticut Services for the Blind, which is now known under a different name of Aging and Disability Services. Um, and I, uh, for many years, they had an award, an award show at the Legislative Office Building. And a couple of years I was in charge of it, and I had Dr. Bill Pettit Fortunately, uh, um, agreed to be an, an MC uh, for that, and uh, you attended that function, and I believe that's when we first met. Wow, it's been a long time. Well, it's great Many to talk years. to you again. A lot has changed since then. You've relocated from Connecticut to South Carolina, but I want to get into because we have so many things to talk about. I want to start with your story, Donna, because. You really are um, a victim of violence yourself. I mean, that's that's unfortunately um, something that you deal with in your life. So why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about what happened to you and what happened to your father? Okay. Um, well, the, the violence happens to be homicide. My dad was killed in a homicide April 17, 1981, 40 years ago. So, Anne, I have 40 years of experience working with, with, with homicide survivors. Um, and <laughs> that's not something that I had ever thought I would be venturing into. But, you know, violent crime just happens abruptly. And you're thrust into it, change, changes your family dynamic totally. And um, here we are four years down the road. And um, so what happened with my dad, in a nutshell, is that it was on a uh, a weeknight. Um, he was a he was a master carpenter by trade. Um, 
uh, built things his whole life, worked for acoustical ceilings, but he also had other businesses. He, he owned uh, bars and restaurants. He also owned uh, an auto, auto hauling business and junk car business. So he was a perpetual workaholic, kind of like I am. And during the evenings, um, at, he came home from, from his auto, auto haul business on the Harford West Harford Line, uh, and um, he would go out collecting money um, for um, used cars that he might sell people that couldn't afford, you know, fancy cars. And another thing was that he and my grandmother also, for, for about 20 years, owned property in Hartford, so they were landlords, and uh, so he had his hand in uh, many different things. So he had gone out the e- that evening to go and um, collect some money for cars or selling, selling cars that he wanted to do, and lo and behold, um, he, you know, he had a certain routine, and he didn't return, and my mother became concerned, and she, she called everyone she could think of. He was, he was a missing person for approximately uh, several hours or a, a day, which is much less than many of the other missing person families I know, but it was still very disconcerting. Um, so what had happened was that um, he was approached um, at one of the, one of the um, businesses that, that he frequents uh, by a female, I guess that was an acquaintance of his, and her boyfriend turned out to be a uh, career criminal and a drug dealer, etc. And he needed to escape the law. He needed some fast cash. So this woman felt my father carried a big bankroll because of the different businesses that he had going. And in actuality, Ian, he only had $35 on him. So she, um, this woman was an accomplice to the, to the murder. Um, she uh, approached him. They, they had an interaction. Um, they happened to be um, in, in his van that he drove, and she thought that they were just going to rob him, and that would be that. All of a sudden, the, the young, the, the perpetrator comes up by the driver's side window and sticks the, sticks the gun in his face, and um, they, they did rob him, but um, because he could be identified, he felt that um, he, had to, he had to kill him, which supposedly is unbeknownst to the, to the female. So he shot, uh, he shot him five times. Um, and left him to die in his van and all vital organs. And my dad actually tried to drive himself to, I believe, St. Francis Hospital, and he didn't make it. The van rolled into a house, and the motor was running. Some say it was, like, for 30 minutes or so, but I'm not exactly sure. Um, he was brought to the hospital, and he did not make it. it but they said had he, had he made it, he would have been in a vegetative state you know, and Mm -hmm. no quality of life, which would not have been his choice or our family's choice. Wow. What a, Um, what a horrible story, Donna. So, and is it, so is this what kind of got you involved in, in looking into other missing persons and, and murders in Connecticut, especially, and we're going to talk about some of those 
And I know you've done your homework for the show, so I'll kind of let you lead off with some of your thoughts. I mean, I especially wanted to touch base with the Jennifer Dulos case. I mean, what do you know about that that we don't know? Well, it, I have to tell you, it's a very complex case with, with many, 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 many twists and turns. And, you know, because I'm a writer and because I, I'm very much uh, uh, a person of intellectual curiosity and analysis, I just, um, I just happen to notice certain, certain traits that are characteristic in each, in each uh, case, and sometimes I bring them to the fore for discussion. And um, the, the, the Jennifer Dulos case, some of the bare bones of that is that she went missing May 24, 2019, and she was um, age 50 at the time. She had dropped off her kids at school and never returned. And her, her husband, you know, her husband owned um, many properties. He was in real estate. He was a very charismatic person wheeling and dealing, and, you know, a person of wealth um, on the outside. But really, it was all on paper. He owed, he owed tons of money. And when, um, when she went missing, um, like I say, they, they waited a few days, and they, they could not find her. And uh, the, the, the details of the case involve a girlfriend, Michelle Traconis, who I um, actually I, I believe she uh, is uh, Spanish is her claim to be her first language, and they um, he had been having um, affairs with with women I think uh, for the last few years, and the and the marriage wasn't exactly you know wasn't exactly a happy one, so he he had he had wanted wanted to kill her because they were undergoing a very contentious divorce and there were five little children, I'd say no, no older than maybe eight years old. And there was a fierce custody battle. So um, he and then an, another, another attorney, um, Mr. Mawani and um, Michelle Tricanos, um, were charged with conspiracy, which is an agreement to commit a, um, an offense. Um, the Harford police, uh, you know, searched for weeks and weeks and weeks uh, because of the, uh, you know, in, in um, the Harford landfill because videotapes had captured him um, driving around Harford and, and supposedly Michelle that she, uh, she had no idea that, that he had um, remains in garbage bags that he was going to be dropping off on uh, uh, Albany Avenue, which, which I find is, is very um, unbelievable. Well, you know, yeah, you know, Donna, you can't be Michelle Chaconis and uh, be writing along, you know, with this guy and not know what he's doing. I mean, I think we all know better than that, right? So let's let's fast forward a little bit. You know, um, Dulos then jailed, commits suicide. Yeah, that that comes at the very end. Right, and then Michelle. Where so? What's going to happen to Michelle Chaconis? What do you think about that? Well, I tried to look up the status yesterday of what's what's going on, and I have to tell you, there is a personal connection with me to this case. John Schoenhorn, 
who is her third attorney, and this has been going on for two and a half years. He happened to be on with Dennis Hauser, um, WTNH-TV, recently. And uh, there was a federal grand jury going on with, um, with, uh, with uh, FOTUS, uh, but, but, but not with her. And what uh, the connection is that John Schoenhorn was in the beginning stages of his career as a public defender, and he was the second chair in the murder trial with my, with my father and and um, another murderer that was done simultaneously. Um, and I just, uh, and this is 40 years later. Wow. So here he is. Here he is defending people. So uh, what, what, uh, what I found out was that um, on, uh, on September 26th, um, he was hired as her, her third attorney after two and a half years. She is, she is out. She is out on on bond. She can travel to Colorado or Florida, um, uh, and he's filed a motion uh, saying that the interrogation that they did with her violated her rights because Spanish was her primary language, and that she, that she really didn't know what he was doing, which to me is a bunch of bull. Right. So. They are they are uh, they are waiting um, they are waiting for for this to um, to come to trial I believe yeah so it's going to be a while if you're just tuning in we're speaking with Donna Gore who's also known as Lady Justice and Donna does her homework and if you want to check her out uh, Donna is on all social media Twitter Facebook LinkedIn. And also has some archived radio programs, as we talked about at the beginning of this program, called Shattered Lives Radio. So, you know, we're probably never going to find out where Jennifer Dulos is. I mean, I think we... Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't think so. I wouldn't think so. So now let's move on. You've got some other high-profile cases that are still out there in Connecticut, unsolved cases. Talk a little bit about that. Okay. Well, the... The other one that this is the Richard and Connie uh, DeBassi case in Ellington, in which on December 23, 2015, he uh, he had killed his wife in in their home. They had two small sons. He he killed her while the two while the two little boys were at school, and he was arrested in April of 2017. And in that case. Um, Again, he had had at least two girlfriends, and one of them, one of them, um, uh, he impregnated, and to, I don't know how else to put it, and um, he wanted to wanted to get rid of her, uh, wanted to do it in such a way as to not cause embarrassment to him. How could you not? So he actually looked up before he the the. Before he uh, killed her, uh, he actually uh, looked up poisons that you couldn't that you couldn't detect. And his story was that uh, to the police, a masked man tied 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 him up and shot his wife uh, be, before he um, he burned him with a torch. And the linchpin in this case, and was that Connie had a Fitbit watch. And this is the first time ever that a Fitbit watch was used, the data was used as 
primary evidence in this case. It seemed to, he had said that she was killed at such and such an hour, and they determined that Connie's Fitbit watch, uh, that she was still moving around an hour after she was, after she was killed. So they, you know, she was well, caught. Right. Well, let me ask you a question, though, because I remember this case well. Why do you think it took police so long to arrest him? He was out and about, you know, living his life, staying in his home with his kids for a long time. Well, I, I think it's a matter of having probable cause to arrest and having enough, uh, enough evidence to be able to prove the case. Um, and, uh, again, this happened, you know, during the holiday season back when, but this, this has prolonged, um, even up until this time, because Hubie Santos, who is, is a well-known, um, defense attorney, uh, defense attorney, um, he, he passed away in June. So essentially my understanding is, and even with COVID, all of the trials and everything has been, you know, during 2020, because of, uh, the pandemic, Everything was, was taken off the schedules and whatnot, and they had to start with a whole new whole new jury selection. Right, start all over. Wow. Yeah, start all over. So essentially, that's what that's what they're having to do, and and you know, in terms of jury selection, most people are like maybe my age and older. They pick people that maybe are retired or 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 uh, happily retired because you just can't. You just can't get um, people to, to sit on a jury because of their job responsibilities. But you got to think of the fact that 700,000, over 700,000 people have died of COVID of all ages, but a good proportion of them have been the, the, the age in which people sit on a jury. So I can't imagine that this is going to be an easy thing. And I'm looking, I'm curious to see whether, you know, some of these jury trials are going to be held, um, you know, if, if, if they're actually going to be done um, on, on, on Zoom, on Facebook, because, you know, that, that's the only way to control um, spread of infection and whatnot. So, yeah, I guess the bottom line is um, in, the, in the case here, uh, the Devasi case, we're just going to have to wait and see and see when the system can catch up due to COVID, which right. unfortunately is everybody's excuse for not getting things done. But anyway, all right, let's move on now to not here in Connecticut, but the Gabby Petito case. This was a, a very high-profile case because of the fact that she was on, her her life was almost a travel log mm-hmm. in terms of documenting every single thing that she did and, and, and they did as a couple, particularly on this adventure that they were doing. Had they not done that, then they might not have had, had the evidence. But, I, I, you know, I get this illusion because there are, there are over 600,000 people that go missing every year. And not to say that her case is not important, but many of them are, a majority of them are not publicized because they are, they are the underserved poor. They might be minorities. They don't, they don't have the resources. They don't know how to access resources in order to get the exposure, in order to get the help. So this just happened to be the latest one. And I did want to mention if people want to know what is the primary 
domestic violence case in in Connecticut, and I and I did uh, a, a blog several years ago that went uh, virtual and changed the face of domestic violence across the nation with Tracy Thurman mm-hmm. in in 1983. So uh, people really should read about that because had that case not occurred, and and changed laws in terms of how they arrest people and whatnot. We would not have the, the, the laws that we do now had it not been for Tracy Thurman of, of Torrington. So if people want to look that up on my website and read about it, because I know we're short on time, they, they should be looking at that. Because that started the whole movement, Ian. So if you're looking for more information, as Donna mentioned, you can go to her website, DonnaGore.com. That's D-O-N-N-A-G-O-R-E dot com. You know, and uh, just came out, we are getting tight on time, but I want to mention, too, that, you know, news just came out today um, out of Northport, Florida, that they think that one of the biggest mistakes that police made, you know, when we talk about Brian Laundrie, um, who is accused of killing Gabby Petito, is that they mistook the mother driving the Mustang away when it was actually him. Um, But now, you know, that's kind of case closed because his remains have been found. I'm curious to know, as someone who's worked with victims of violence and missing people, Donna, um, what would your hope had been? You know, he kind of took the easy way out, in my opinion, the cowardly way out. Um, What would you have liked to see happen to this young man uh, should he have been found alive? Well, I believe that um, he should should have turned himself in, and with with the... protections of the law and in that, you know, you're, you're innocent until proven guilty and the support of his family and whatnot. He should, uh, the, the victims, um, Gabby's family really got a raw deal because there will never, there will never ever be justice. And he should have been man enough to, um, to, to actually, um, you know, confess his crimes and, and deal with it. Um, and I just have to say that young men, particularly, you know, they have more immature brains. They're not mature until at least 25 years old. And I don't know exactly how old he was, but but it's very typical for um, for men to just be very impulsive. And I just think that um, it it is such it is such a disservice. And I wonder if his his family would would be charged with like aiding aiding and and abetting, um, you know. Yeah, I think that's next. To answer your question, um, uh, Brian Laundry was 23 years old. You know, but but what a coward! I just every time there's what a coward. What a coward. Every time, and his family, I don't have a whole lot of respect for either. I think they could have been of more. Um, and you mentioned too, you know, that this was such a high profile, you know, international media case. And I think a lot of that had to do that there were pictures to go with the story, Donna. I mean, she was on social media all the time, beautiful young girl, blonde hair, you know, and you're exactly right. So it was interesting. There were pictures to go with the story. There was, um, you know, video, uh, police cam video from when they were stopped. And so, you know, I know from working in television, that makes for a better story. And it doesn't mean that all the other victims out there don't deserve the same sort of coverage uh, that they don't get. Well, I got to tell you, Donna, this has been an amazing conversation, and I know how hard you work um, out there in South Carolina at your computer and always, you know, doing what you can for victims of domestic violence, for missing persons, and as someone who's also unfortunately lost, you know, their father to gun violence, 
by a career criminal, which is another whole topic. I could talk to you forever about all these things. Well, yeah. Maybe we can do another one in the future if, if you so desire. All right. Um, the anniversary of Susan, Susan Murphy Milano, visionary and advocate for people who are homicide survivors and domestic violence victims, um, and Stacey Peterson, uh, they share October 28th as the anniversary together. Wow. <laughs> and for going missing and one for Susan's death. Wow. Well, Donna Gore, this has been enlightening. I want to thank you for your time. Um, I'm sure the weather in South Carolina is a lot better than it is here, so enjoy that. Thank you so much, Ann, and uh, we'll stay in touch, okay? We absolutely will. And again, the website is DonnaGore.com, D-O-N-N-A-G-O-R-E.com. You can also check her out on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to have you tune in to this edition of News You Can Use. Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular-season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.